What's up, everybody? Welcome into Locked On Warriors. I'm your host, Charles T. Hamilton. Got another good one for you today. We still haven't gotten an update on Steph Curry and when he might return. But a couple of players on the Warriors did receive some good news. And Locked On Warriors listeners are about to get some good news as well. It's all coming up next here on Locked On Warriors on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Warriors, your daily Golden State Warriors podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, everybody? Welcome into Locked On Warriors. I am your host, Charles T. Hamilton, what's going on? I got a lot to get to, lot of, a lot to get to today. So might as well just kick it off immediately. The good news that I mentioned with the Warriors players is Jacob Evans and Amari Spellman both got their third-year options picked up, which I thought Jacob Evans was a sure thing. Amari Spellman wasn't too sure, but I thought he had shown enough that his price tag on a third-year option would be good enough to keep him around. And he's shown a lot of effort, a lot of uh, hustle to go along with an emerging jump shot. So if those things can all come together, great. It'd be a nice player for him. And then as far as Jacob Evans is concerned, defense is there. He's kind of taken to the new point guard spot, even though he's injured right now. I thought the injury might, I don't know, sway things a little bit, but it didn't. He's You definitely pick up the third-year option on a guy like him. So those two are locked in for next year. I mean, don't get me wrong. Either of them can be traded at any moment. But as far as we know right now, both of them are locked in for next year. So that's a good thing. And a good thing for the listeners of Locked On Warriors. I've been teasing this for the last couple of days. We are adding a co-host, Wes Goldberg. He is the beat writer for the Warriors for the Mercury News He's going to give us access like never before. I'm about to talk to him in just a minute. But first, Indochino is the world's largest made-to-measure menswear brand. Start your style upgrade now with $30 off your total purchase of $399 or more at Indochino.com when entering Locked On at checkout. You know what my favorite part about this time of year is? Sweater weather, leaves on the ground, and threes from downtown. That's right. For some, it's fall fashion, but for the rest of us, it is ball season. Pro and college ball are tipping off, and there's no better way to feel a part of the action than have a stake in the game at mybookie.ag. If you're the kind of guy who likes to bet a little to win a lot, try a parlay. For instance, if you like a couple of the big favorites this week, parlays are perfect because they let you bet multiple games together for a much bigger payout. Either way, if you're going to bet this season, Do the smart thing. Go to mybookie.ag because no one gives you more ways to win. NCAA is back in action, and it's time to turn your attention from carving pumpkins to the Spartans carving up defenses. Cassius Winston returns for his senior year, trying to prove that he has what it takes to bring a ship to Michigan State. Use your basketball knowledge to prove you have what it takes at mybookie.ag, where they make it easy to play and even easier to get paid. If you really want to support your team this season, don't just sit on the sidelines. Get in the game with MyBookie.ag. And if you join right now, MyBookie will double your first deposit. Just use promo code LOCKEDONNBA to activate the offer. That is promo code L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N-N-B-A to double 
your cash. Visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. And here he is, ladies and gentlemen, the man of the hour, the newest co-host to Locked On Warriors. Not just the new co-host to Locked On Warriors, but the new beat writer for the Mercury News, Wes Goldberg. Wes, what's up, man? I'm so excited to have you aboard. Uh, I, I imagine you're going to be giving us access like we've never had before. You know, I want to introduce you to the to the, all the listeners. You're the new beat writer, former host of Locked On uh, Heat, but you're going to be at Chase just about every night, uh, be on the road with them. Uh, just super excited to have you, man. Yeah, no, I, so I was the, the host of Locked On Heat. I helped create that show with my co-host David Ramil over there, um, and we, we've been with Locked On since day one, literally, since David Locke, the founder of the network, started the entire network. And uh, we had a different Heat podcast, and we came aboard. And I've loved doing Locked On Heat. I used to live in South Florida, which is the reason I did it. Recently moved out to the Bay Area, got the job at the Mercury News as the Warriors beat writer, didn't, and, and you were gracious enough to let me come on and, and ruin your show. So <laughs> that's what I'm going to do. Um, we, I also co-host the show, uh, the Locked On NBA show, every Tuesday morning. So that's a good thing to check out as well. So this podcast thing is a real deal, and uh, I'm excited to, to be here and contributing. Definitely, man. Well, we're happy to have you. Look, I'd like to do the whole fluff piece, and, you know, it's great that Wes is aboard and all that, but, like, right. the Warriors have had the most significant news uh, in the since KD signed, I think, happened uh, yep. two days ago, and that's Steph Curry breaking his hand in a play where he's driving to the hole. Uh, was it Rubio and Aaron Baines? Aaron Baines is the main one I remember who who fell on his arm. And yeah, it really doesn't matter if Rubio fell on his arm because yeah. he weighs less than even Steph Curry does. But when six foot ten, six foot eleven, two hundred and sixty pound Aaron Baines falls on one hundred and eighty pound Steph Curry, that's a problem. Yeah, big time problem. And look, we've seen Steph escape some situations relatively unscathed. This one, just looking at it, you kind of knew that that there was there was going to be something. Something was going to yeah. come of this, and we found out. I think about the midway through the fourth, it. Uh, Warriors PR came out and said it's officially does have a broken left hand and full disclosure. We still haven't, we're recording this before they came, have come out with a timeline, but it doesn't seem like it's going to be something that's going to be fixed in two or three weeks. No, I mean, what we can even look back to last season, Rajon Rondo, uh, with the Lakers suffered a broken right hand. And the question is whether or not it needs surgery or not. This thing's going to need surgery. So uh, Rondo underwent surgery for that. He was out for literally a month. I think it was November. It was mid-November to mid-December, right? So he missed, I think, th- I think it was 13 games. So we're talking about at least that probably for Steph Curry. Now, I think an optimistic Warriors fan would say, well, look, it's not his shooting hand, right? It's the left hand. It's not the right hand. And so maybe he can come back sooner. But there's, given the circumstances of the season, given the fact that when Curry got hurt, they were already down 29 points to the Phoenix Suns, and they were on, in, on their way to their third blowout loss in the first four games of the season. This team was already kind of in a, in a bad situation before Curry went down, so there's not going to be any rush to bring them back, right? Shooting hand or not, it's, just, it's irrelevant. I think they're going to wait for it to be fully healthy before, that, before that's even a question of when to bring him back, and I think for that timetable, we're looking at at least a month and maybe even six to eight weeks. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's kind of my feeling as well, and I mean, you nailed it. The, the, the circumstances, it's not as if they were going looking at being 4-0. Uh, the optimistic fans were looking at it as, well, this team will get it together eventually. 
The, it's a bunch right. of new players. It's you know all the guys under twenty three. All the stuff we've heard about. So it, it, the most optimistic fans are thinking growing pains. But with Steph can, uh, out missing, you mentioned thirteen games for Rondo. Let's say Steph misses thirteen games and they go what two and eleven. You know, right. you, maybe you push I mean, that a little longer. Maybe you know these guys are ailing all the time. You can find something else to try and fix or something like that. Uh, it, it seems like a pretty serious blow to the entire season. This was a situation the Warriors are entering this year. Clay Thompson was already going to miss most of the season with the torn ACL. Obviously, they will lose Durant, but you also lose guys like Andre Iguodala and Sean Livingston, who were glue guys for this team. Kevon Looney started is dealing with this complicated neuropathic situation that nobody really understands. Uh, Willie Cauley-Stein, their new acquisition, missed all of training camp and preseason with an injury. Alec Burke, same thing. All of, and they returned Wednesday night, but this was just the season just felt sort of over before it even started in a very sad way. And Curry getting hurt on Wednesday night was just sort of adding to that sort of cloud that was hanging over the season. I don't know how they did this their way out of it. And again, they were going into the season in a situation where to make the playoffs, everything had to break right. Right? I think it was possible that they could make the playoffs, mm-hmm. but everything had to break right, meaning that Steph had to be relatively healthy. Clay Thompson had to return for a playoff push uh, at the end of the season. Draymond Green had to have one of his best two-way seasons of all time, and that they couldn't suffer these injuries, and then one or two of these young guys were just going to pop. All of that stuff had to break right for them to make the playoffs. None of that stuff is breaking right right mm-hmm. now. None of that stuff looks to be the case right now. And even in the best-case scenario, if Steph were to like, if Steph could miss ten games but still put up an MVP caliber season, they'd have a chance. He's certainly going to miss more than ten games now, and there, like, we're talking about a situation where he might not be back till Christmas, and that starts to wonder. Like, now you're wondering, does he even make an All Star game at this point because he's going to miss so many games? Yeah, you know, I was a little pessimistic. I mean, I even said there's a chance we don't see him till till the New Year, till 2020. Uh, you know, again, we'll see. That's wrong. We'll, yeah, we'll have to wait and see what the timetable says. But I also think that this injury is kind of forcing the Warriors in a direction that, uh, not to say that we know whether they want to or not, but their their hand is basically forced. Uh, tank is a strong word, but yep. it's tank adjacent, maybe, uh, to where <laughs> you're you're playing you're playing the young guys. Uh, this year was about development, anyways. You know, I, I would expect to see a ton of pick and roll with D'Angelo Russell. I said on the podcast the other day after it happened, is it about showcasing D'Angelo Russell? If he can do what he did in Brooklyn and carry the team to the playoffs, fantastic. But most yeah. likely, even at his best, that won't happen. But you play him, showcase him, make him look his best. Maybe, you know, a team wants to make a move and you do it or you wait till the offseason, whatever. But it's about making D'Angelo Russell look his best and then finding pieces moving forward. Uh, I mentioned Pascal, even though that game was... On the D'Angelo D'Angelo front there, Uh uh, I asked him about that after the game. I was was like, does this remind you of last season in Brooklyn, right? Because in Brooklyn last year, Karis LeVert goes down very early in the season with an injury that kept him out for most of the season, which is... He'll probably have been out longer than Curry will be out, but it put... D'Angelo Russell in a situation where now he was the leader of that team because Brooklyn thought that Karis LeVert was a building piece. They still think he's a building block, but uh, that put D'Angelo Russell as the prime guy in, in control of that offense. And I asked him, does this remind you of that? And he says, it's very similar, but this situation is even tougher. So that mm-hmm. says one thing. But um, what, did ha- what happened to D'Angelo Russell? He made his first all-star game of his career, and he got the max contract that he was seeking. 
And so I think as far as D'Angelo Russell's value goes, last season helped him in that respect. And I think to your point, if the Warriors do think that they need to make him, they need to trade D'Angelo Russell, then this could put him in a better light. Now, as far as the young players go, you mentioned Tank and Jason. I like that. I might steal that. <laughs> but they did at the end of the game, they were talking about, look, this is an opportunity for the young guys. This is an opportunity for the young guys. And all I kept wondering was, when was this not an opportunity for the young yeah, guys? Yeah. Steph Curry being on the court does not take away opportunity. Like, who's the point guard he's taking minutes from? I don't, I don't know who it is. So I don't know who the young guys are. Like, the young guys are all getting playing time anyway. So that tank way of saying, we're kind of tanking. It's just they're going to frame it as this is an opportunity for the young guys. Now, the other layer to that is how much of an opportunity for these young guys do you really want? I mean, which one of these young guys is the high lottery draft pick? Which one of these young guys do you think is really a building block? And so they're going to find out. I think you were about to talk about Eric Pascal. He looks really good. I don't know that he's a franchise player good. Oh, no. Right? No. So uh, it's, it's, they're sort of in a situation where they're kind of leaning into this opportunity for the young guys and uh they're framing it that way but if i'm a warriors fan i've definitely got questions about if these are the young guys we want having an opportunity for us well here's here's my thinking is you have your built your cornerstone still not this year you have steph you have clay you have draymond so obviously i don't think like any of these guys are going to be building blocks but let's say you're able to develop three four role players in pascal pool evans and you know, I don't know who else. Uh, you know, pick 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 another young guy. Uh, you're able right. to develop some some role players. Uh, no, I don't think any of them will ever be all stars. But if you can develop part of your roster with these young guys who are cost controlled, and you know, for for the next couple of years as well, that'll be huge. Uh, because you still have your building blocks. I don't think they need any new building blocks at this moment. And on top of that, they could potentially find one with what looks like could be a pretty high draft pick. Getting far down the road here, but uh, again, if no, but these these are the things we have to ask, yeah, right? What yeah. are the immediate next steps? Because in one, in some ways, this Steph Curry thing could just be carte blanche. This is like, hey, if you if you already thought that this season was in the toilet, which I think they were starting to believe that it yeah. was, based on the fact that there were three blowout losses. And by the way, like these blowout losses happen for a reason. These weren't going to be the last twenty and thirty point losses of the season. Watching this defense, they don't know what what they're doing. They, and I, it looks like they've never saying. seen a pick and roll in their life. Yes. Like <laughs> this is a situation where every, every rotation is late. Every closeout is slow. And literally every spot on the floor has been open. I, I, I don't have the stats in front of me, but I'm pretty sure in these three blowout losses, the other team has shot better than 50% from three point range. Mm-hmm. And that's not an accident, right? I mean, people could look at that. Oh, there's going to be a regression of the mean. There's, there's not going to be a regression of the mean if every three point is wide open. There's not going to be that much of a regression. Yeah. So they were just going to have more and more of these blowout losses. I thought that this defense could potentially coalesce maybe around Christmas time. Maybe. And mm-hmm. so we, we had another couple months of this based on, you know, my prognosis. So uh, this might have, like, this might, this season might have already have been doomed from the start. And having Curry out, like I said, might have just given them the blessing to say, you know what? Let's just shut this thing down. And I think the next question, the next obvious question is, what does that look like? And we are going to talk about what that might look like in just a minute. Now, and the other part, too, like if you're going all the way there, it's uh, a, a couple of guys. Can you maybe recoup some assets? 
You know, I, I know Alec Burks just returned, and he's not a superstar by any means, but let's say he gets it going from three, shooting 40%, and at the trade deadline someone wants him, and you're yep. able to recoup some second-round picks or something like that. You know, there, yeah. there, there, there's some flexibility now with this roster that they didn't have, at least going in, thinking that they might have a shot at the playoffs. Now there's there's just tons of different avenues, tons of different possibilities for this team now with this injury to Steph. And not to mention, I mean, Draymond says he's going to play in the next game. He took a shot to the back. He had to leave the game uh, for a little mm-hmm. while tonight. And those things are going to keep happening. And so it just it, I, I, it honestly seems like there's they're on a one-way, one-way street right now. It's it's ironic. I was saying this to somebody earlier, but it, it's it's a little ironic that Kawhi Leonard is now suddenly their best friend in a in a weird way <laughs> because he turned he took load management and made it fashionable, right? Yeah. And so now the Warriors tank adjacent. <laughs> now the Warriors can sort of rebrand, maybe shutting it down as load management, right? Because it works. Because I think uh, I think Warriors fans are generally pretty educated about basketball. And so even they would understand, like, look, without Curry on the floor, Thompson's already gone. This team is kind of thin anyway. We have no chance. But you don't want to see them just completely throw in the towel either because they've been so competitive for so long. And I understand that. I don't think that they should throw in the towel completely. But what does this kind of rebranded tank look like? I think what it would look like is nobody plays more than 30 minutes. And when I say nobody, it's basically Draymond Green and Steph Curry when he returns Mm -hmm. because you don't really want any of these other players playing 30 minutes in the first place. So none of them play 30 minutes or more than 30 minutes in a game. And they probably don't play the second night of back-to-backs. They may play a couple, one or two high-profile ones that are nationally televised so that they can keep the illusion of, hey, we're competing in the brand-new Chase Center. But uh, for the most part, they're probably not playing up the second night of back-to-backs. And then you just do that way. You just try to cut back the match, save some miles for next season. Well, I mean, I think a perfect example is, uh, what was it, 2012 or 13, the Harrison Barnes draft. You know, heading mm-hmm. into that, you know, they traded Monte for Bogut, a guy who wouldn't be able to play for until the next season. And then we saw guys like Clay and Steph being rested so they could keep that, uh, what was it, top eight or top ten protected pick. You know, it's going to be tank adjacent. Yeah, I mean, I, I think we might need to brand that now. Uh, I think that's, uh, that's, I think that's <laughs> the way it's going. Locked on tank adjacent. Seriously. Um, but uh, I think I want to go back to something you said because I kind of want to explore that idea of mm-hmm. recouping assets because D'Angelo Russell, I think, is the obvious trade piece. I have never been as convinced as everybody else that D'Angelo Russell was brought into trade. I legitimately think that they see a 23-year-old oh, I think the, half, half all-star. Yeah, I that, think the, uh, the best scenario is that he's the fit. He's the guy. Yeah. That they're not looking to move him to find another guy. I think they want that. I just don't know what, yeah. especially now with this injury, I don't know what the, the case is. Especially if they, what is this trade that everybody throws out for D'Angelo Russell, like Seriously. Robert Covington? Oh, my God. It's like, what? Now he, this is my thing with fit, and I'm going to go off on a tangent here, but Please. I, like, kinda, I've, I've been on this corner for a while. That I think fit is completely overrated in the NBA. I think we got spoiled with these last Warriors because the fit was literally perfect, but you know what was better than the fit? The freaking talent that they had. Yeah. You know? And so you look at teams like Philadelphia, and you look at these other teams through the fit. There's, it's not perfect. Look at the, the big three Miami Heat. The fit was anything but perfect. LeBron James. And Dwayne Wade, everybody came out with these shot charts, and like they shoot from the same spot. They literally both of them shoot from the same spot. They can't coexist. And guess what they did? They went to four straight finals and won two of them. So the fit doesn't matter as long as you have the talent first. So this idea of trading for some in vogue three and D player like Robert Covington is going to suddenly make the Warriors roster better. Just get out of here with that. So if you're a Warriors fan listening to that, kind of on your little ESPN trade machine, D'Angelo Russell for Jeff Teague and Robert Covington, boom, problem solved. Get out of here. Do not do that. That would be a disaster of a trade. 
Um, getting Robert Covington back would be a disaster. He's, I like Robert Covington. He's not a solution to any problem that the Warriors have. So, um, D'Angelo Russell, I, so we're in agreement here. I think it's going to be a good podcast because of that. But uh, with the, So D'Angelo Russell, I think, is a fit. But, however, if you're the Warriors and you're in asset mode, you keep D'Angelo Russell because he's a 23-year-old good player. You could potentially be looking at what is a lottery team here. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't think that that's out of the question. Maybe even a top-five team. Mm-hmm. Now you've got two real assets. So you've gone from exactly. basically Kevin Durant leaving, you've got no assets, to maneuvering for that sign and trade to get an asset back in Russell and potentially, you know, accidentally tanking the season and getting another lottery pick. And then, like you said, they've, they've got like no second round picks except for like 2025 or something like that. Players like Alec Burks, Willie Colley-Stein, Kevin Money, those are useful players for playoff teams. I would not, like, once, once those guys become trade eligible in December, I'm opening the doors. You know, I, I'm saying, like, whatever. You want a second round pick for Alec Burks? Here you go. Second round picks for, for Willie Colley-Stein? Let's do it. First round pick, like a late first, protected first for Claude Money, have them. So, and, and now you start recouping those assets and rebuilding. And if you're, if you're the Warriors and you've always wanted to be like the Spurs, that's the way to do it. And you can start bolstering that bench in another way, start freeing up some cap space in the future. And, and suddenly you can start sort of retooling this thing in a way that you really want to retool it and plan a, a, a nice planned retool as opposed to the on-the-fly rebuild they did when Durant left. And I'm glad you brought up the Spurs. They're a team I've mentioned before because, I mean, they're the friggin' Spurs. But because they've been a team that, and one of the only teams that I can remember, that has sustained success while developing players. People have complained about this roster, and I'm like, well, you know, I'm sorry Steve Kerr's coaching staff hasn't proven that they can develop anyone over the last five years. And so the the idea that they should have kept Iguodala this and that and given him a more veteran roster and then tried to develop players as well. I'm like, they haven't, they just haven't proven it. And so now well, that this, Spurs, this the, is about the, development, I need to see them develop these players. And the Spurs model is a little overrated. I was like, Oh, they just took a job developing guys. Well, they started developing guys when Mono and Tony and Tim got old. Mm-hmm. That's when they started developing guys. They weren't like, these guys weren't suddenly being developed when, uh, when those guys were in their prime, and Richard Richard Jefferson like famously like flamed out there, right? <laughs> like they didn't do a good job of getting other players involved. Most teams in that situation don't because the usage rates and, and just the attention and everything like it's all about those star players. It is nearly impossible to develop a, a bench and a youthful core when you have star players in their prime just demanding the, the ball and demanding all the attention, demanding everything. It's really hard, and, and not not to get too in the weeds here, but when you have a star-driven team with veteran players in their prime, you tend to practice and you tend to do those developmental things a lot differently, mm-hmm. right? It's a lot more maintenance of those guys versus, like, teaching the young guys. So that hurts your development uh, and your developmental program. And that's where the Warriors were at already this season was – and it was getting annoying. It was getting frustrating for Steph and Draymond because they were had to all of a sudden be in practices that were being stopped in the middle for instruction. You think that they ever stopped the practice to tell Andre Iguodala what to do? No, Andre Iguodala knew what to do because he'd been in the league for 20 years. So with this season already kind of going in that direction, it was already leaning in that, all right, this is more teaching, this is more instructing. And now with one of the two veterans gone who were frustrated, at least gone for the foreseeable future, in Steph, I think it's just going to become more of that so that you are going to see a lot more development. Yeah. Um, and, and this is an opportunity, maybe a one- or two-year opportunity for them to do that. So I've gone on record that this, I prefer 
what they're doing this year. I think it's the smart move because I think if you hang on to Iguodala, especially considering the fact that you hang on to Iguodala, KD's still gone, Clay's still injured, that's $17 million sunken into, what, a 35-year-old player who you're not going to be able to get anything for. I know people have been like, well, why didn't you hang on to him and then trade him? You had to attach a first-round pick just to move him, and Memphis hasn't gotten any offers for him. We love him here, but our love doesn't uh, bolster his his trade stock or anything like that. So I, I even though it's going to be a painful season, I think, I'm still for what they did as far as going the development route. Do you are you on my side or are you you know? No, I'm you on your side. I, I think that we're, if, first of all, just from a value standpoint, what we're talking about essentially is Andre Iguodala and a first round pick for D'Angelo Russell. Exactly. You do that ten out of ten times. Um, and Andre Iguodala on this team, what's different? Robert Covington thing is, yeah, he's like the perfect unselfish trendy guy, whatever. Um, he doesn't score. He's a good ball handler, but this team has good ball handlers. D'Angelo Russell is a good ball handler. Um, I, I just think that Andre Guadala, and look, I, I understand his value, but his value was with a team that also had Clay Thompson, Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, and Jalen Green doing all the things so he, he could stay in his lane and do the things that he was so good at. He was a specialist, mm-hmm. and he was good at that. Um, I think this team right now needs a lot of generalists. It needs yeah. guys who can be aggressive, who can guard a couple of different positions, if not several, and and not only just like hit threes off of this Steph Draymond two man game, but be aggressive and attack defenses and and get their shots up. I think that's why you've seen a guy like Jordan Poole thrive and even get a and start in the Warriors' only win so far this season is because he kind of is doing those things when he's not screwing up like as most rookies do. So uh, that, to me, is what this team needs more. And obviously guys that you can develop, like D'Angelo Russell. And again, you do that trade 10 times out of 10. Absolutely. And Andre Iguodala's value is with a championship-level team. It's not with a development team. And then he was, he, was, he was Shane Battier for those Heat teams. Not to keep bringing back to the Heat, but I did post blogs <laughs> on Heat for like six years. But he was like, like Shane Battier was nothing. Like yeah. nobody cared about Shane Battier until he was with the Heat, and he like the Heat lose to the Mavericks in 2011. They acquire Shane Battier, and they win two straight titles. I'm not giving I'm not giving Shane Battier the entire credit, but those guys have value on championship level rosters. Mm-hmm. So and and not not you know we've talked about uh, the tank adjacent, all the stuff going into this year. On top of that. It'll also be when the hard cap is lifted. That's that's the one thing that the D'Angelo Russell signing Great trade point. did was gave us a hard cap, which gives them zero wiggle room. Which again, worth it. I'm not complaining about it at all. But this it, Steph's injury, it sucks. Obviously, I love seeing him play. Would rather see him play than not. But it all kind of works out in just this tank adjacent season that they're having. <laughs> having when they do lift the hard cap, they'll be able to do even more, not a ton more, you know, they'll be able to use their mid-level and sign sign veteran minimums, but those are things right. they couldn't even do this year. So it is something that it's all kind of aligning within this this development timeline, I guess. The table is set. It <laughs> really is. And um, and when we're talking about what that looks like, this take adjacency, um, I've already heard murmurs, well, do you shut Draymond Green down? The one pushback I'll say on, push, on, on shutting Draymond down I think you have to dial back his minutes, and you mentioned the back injury. The last thing you want to do is just add unnecessary miles and get him hurt too, right? Because based on the trend of the season, he will get hurt. Yeah, um, everybody's getting hurt. So I think you, but you want to get him on the court because in these games, and you can go back and watch him, but he's literally on the floor in the middle of a play, in the middle of a game, pointing and directing guys to their spots. Mm-hmm. 
So if you're, if the season is going to be become about developing the young guys, well, he's partly in charge of developing the young guys. He's the guy showing them what to do when the game is being played. You don't want to put all these young guys in a classroom and take the teacher out of the classroom and say, just go learn this stuff now, right? Yeah. That's basically what you'd be asking to do if you shut down Draymond Green. So I don't see a world in which they shut down Draymond Green if indeed the idea is to develop the young players. Now, if they've decided that this entire roster is worthless, then yeah, you shut down Draymond Green. But I don't think that they're at that point, nor should they be. No, I don't think so either. Uh, Wes, you were there tonight. You're going to be there every night. What was the vibe in the arena once Steph went down and heads to the locker room? It was silent. It was just Man. It was silent. It was, I, I don't, I don't even, it, it was eerie. Um, everybody was holding their breath and just watching Steph. He was on the, I counted, he was on the court grimacing in pain for about 15 seconds. Yeah. And for 15 seconds, it was just silent. Uh, he got up, he leaned over for another four or five seconds. It was still silent. And then he went to the bench and everybody was sort of watching him. And he was only on the bench for maybe a, a, a minute. And then he got up and went to the locker room, and people applauded him as he went to the locker room, just you know, as a thank you, I suppose. Yeah. Um, that it was, but it was pretty clear at that point. It was pretty clear when he got before he got hurt that they were going to lose this game. Yeah. But uh, you know, at that point, I think they hung around. Uh, people started filing out. The Warriors made a, a little bit of a run in the fourth quarter, got it to within eleven. They got some cheers from the fans that were there, and then everybody filed out after that. Yeah. Uh, what about the locker room? How was the the vibe in there? I mean, the loss obviously yeah. upset about that, and then knowing Steph's out, you know, was was it somber? Or was it just you know business as usual? Steve looked like uh, Steve looked like he just lost a family member. Yeah. He was, and he had also like planned the funeral and everything, and he was just like, really stressed out. Yeah. Like that's what he looked like. Yeah. Um, the locker room was silent. It was really quiet. Uh, a couple of guys, a couple of young guys were talking. Um, Draymond Green, who was supposed to talk with media after, left. Just straight left. Yeah. It seemed like actually, now I'm thinking about it, everybody wanted to leave. There's, there's a door in the corner of the locker room at Chase Center that's really, really easy for players to slip out of. And I think they built that on purpose, yeah. uh, to my chagrin here. But uh, Jordan Poole, uh, you know the PR, the um, one of the PR officials tried to get Jordan Poole to come out and speak. He and Jordan Poole basically, he, he just tried, he's got the locker closest to that slip out door to the escape route, and he probably, he just tried to slip right out. <laughs> and uh, the PR official tried to grab him before he left, and then he asked us, the reporters in the locker room, if we needed him, and it was like we don't really need to talk to Jordan Poole. This is kind of like yeah. about Steph, so. Uh, they, he and so while like we were sort of debating it, he literally slipped out. We didn't even get a chance to come to a ruling. And then Draymond Green just left. He never just he just never showed up. Um, Steph Curry's uh, Steph left all the stuff in the locker. I mean, he was wearing those cheetah prints that uh, Curry's oh, yeah. Curry fours or yeah. whatever they are. Uh, he's been wearing them for a couple of games. They were still untied right in front of his chair at his locker. So he you could and and Steve never even saw him at post game. So. Curry went to the locker room, uh, found out that the hand was broken, and went straight to a hospital and just left all the stuff there. There's still actually a cup of coffee, like a half a half drank cup of coffee in his locker. I mean, he didn't even and Curry we know is like a clean, orderly guy, yeah. tidy guy, uh, and he just left everything as is. He just got the hell out of there. Man, that's rough. Rough night. Uh, they're taking on the Spurs tonight. 
I know you'll be there. I mean, we don't need to break it down. It's going to be it's going to be so how many games we got left? Uh 78, it's going to be 78 rough games probably. But, you know, I think it's going to be worth it in the end. I think it's the right move. Uh Wes, man, I'm excited for this this locked on warrior season. I'll put it that way. I think it's going to be fun with us and uh man, look forward to more of your insights. Welcome to the team and uh we'll talk to you on Monday, man. Thanks, man. Sounds good. So that is our newest co-host, Wes Goldberg. Thank you to him. You guys will be hearing from him every day uh, here on Locked on Warriors. I hope you're excited. We're going to have access like we've never had before uh, with him being the new beat writer for the dub for the Mercury News. So get ready for that. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll be back on Monday with another episode of Locked on Warriors on the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked on Warriors. Your daily podcast on the Golden State Warriors. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day.